Hi, y'all. I'm Sandra Pham. And I'm Min Vu. Welcome to episode six of Asian in Austin. Thanks, y'all, for, for joining us for another episode. It is October and also happens to be ACL month here in Austin, so we're super excited. This episode, you know, we wanted to focus on music and musicians, both men and I. Obviously, one of our favorite activities to do here is go to concerts and really enjoy live music, so we're super excited for this month's guest. Yeah. Have you been to ACL before? Yeah. I it's been a while I don't like it as much anymore because it's just gone crazy and overcrowded but my favorite year that I went was when Kanye West and Coldplay were headlining back in the day (laughs) yeah dang my first one was like in 2011 I think so speaking of ACL I know we recently have been to a ton of concerts men I know you were just in San Francisco for a pretty cool festival how was that yeah, it was really good, actually. I saw Patronata for the first time, who's a DJ that kind of blends like hip hop and electronic music. And it was it was in San Francisco. It was like sunset. There was like fog. It was honestly like a very magical experience. And I think this whole year for me has been a series of concerts that I've gone to that just really reaffirms how much I just really enjoy the like live music experience. I feel like I definitely am making up for the last two years of lockdown and it's been really, really actually healing. Going to be a little genuine here, but like some of the concerts have been really healing for me. I know. I feel like it was so tough during the pandemic not to be able to watch any live music there's just nothing equivalent to it I hate watching Netflix music specials because I feel like you it just doesn't capture the the ambiance I'm actually stoked by the time this episode goes out I will have seen Harry Styles on the last day of his six-day residency and I just saw that he also endorsed Beto who attended his concert which is wild wild yeah I can't wait to be a Gen Zer and a 15 year old at this concert yeah I've heard good things about it I saw Florence at the Moody Center I guess is what it's called there's so many things with Moody's name but that was the first time in that venue and that was really cool to do that but yeah I I will say top concert for this year it's a toss-up between Beach House that was back in March and it was outdoors just like a beautiful beautiful experience and then I went to uh London for Christina Aguilera and so that was also like a very impactful concert do you have one from this year that stands out um just last week I did see like Street Dive and I love them and they hadn't been able to come back due to the pandemic so that was just amazing I feel like Harry is gonna be my my highlight of the year I think I feel it (laughs) Well, yeah, so that's why I'm like really excited for our next guest. He's a local artist, Mars Wright, and bringing him on to talk about kind of his inspiration, what brought him into the music space and how that shows up for him. I'm really excited to see how his identities might influence kind of his trajectory with his music career. And so happy to 
give a little bit more of a bio on him. Born and raised in Texas, Mars has been creating music under the stage name Honey Sun for over a decade. This music is largely conceived, created, and performed by Mars himself, utilizing a toolkit of loopers, samplers, and instruments, and lives somewhere in the vicinity of R&B. Outside of music, he very much enjoys fathering his precocious nine-year-old daughter, Olivia. And with that, we are so excited to, to have Mars on. Let's get into it. I am really excited to bring our next guest this month, Mars Wright, to the show. Thanks for joining us uh, on Asian and Austin, Mars. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So we like to set up the episode with our listeners, just like a quick rapid fire bullet point list of kind of you. It's quick, like your ethnicities that you identify with, your pronouns, how long you've lived in Austin, what you do for work, and any other identities that you'd want to share with us? Sure. Off the top, I imagine I'm here because I'm half Filipino. That's a big part of my upbringing. I'm also half Black, asterisk, a mix of other things also. My dad's Black, but that's a mix of things. For work, I never figured out a good elevator pitch, but I, I work for an energy consultation management startup. That's as close as I've gotten to a yeah. easy, easy deliverable. <laughs> what were the other bullet points now? Yeah, no, you're good. How long you've lived in Austin? Okay, uh, 2011 is when I arrived. Cool. Yes. So almost a little over 10 years. Yeah. A little over 10 years. Congratulations. That's awesome. Thank you. And yeah, your pronouns that you you go by. He him. Awesome. Sweet. Well. I know that, yes, you might do some energy work, it sounds like, as your day job. But we also know, or, or you know, as our listeners have learned with kind of hearing a little bit about your bio, that you are also a musician and an artist. That's correct. Before we get into that, we kind of like to get just a little overview of like the story of Mars, how he came to be, what what it was like kind of growing up and how kind of your family arrived to the States, knowing that with your biracial identity, that there are like, that's two very different experiences, right? That, that lead us to uh, the States. So maybe if you are comfortable sharing about your Filipino side, how they arrived to the States or what brought them here, we can start there. And then also, sure. yeah. Sure. From what I know, and I'm sure this is many people, but my mother was initially very withholding on her immigration story. And more has come out over time. So I'm still working at that one. But basically, she was sent by family, landed in Las Vegas as a, in her mid-20s to work in the medical field. That's probably a pretty common Filipino story. Met my dad, who was working as uh, in the Air Force. He was stationed in Las Vegas. That's how they met. Growing up was, I spent more time with my mom. My parents were separated for a, a chunk of time while I was growing up. So a lot closer to my mom. So growing up, I just, I felt culturally felt Filipino and, but mostly had half Filipino friends, which I thought was interesting. Maybe I grew up in San Antonio, big air force town. And I think that's part of it. Tell us a yeah. little bit more. You mentioned 
culturally you felt like you grew up in a Filipino household. What does that mean? Can you give us examples? Well, so growing up is mostly my mom and my sister, my older sister and me. So as far as bleed in from a parent, I kind of one sided there until I got a little older and then my dad um, entered the picture. But by that point, I, I felt, you know, we would like go to Filipino parties every Christmas. We're hanging a star and we're cooking at Oscaldo. And it, those are the sorts of things we did regularly. So when did you make the move from, were you born in Vegas or were you born in San Antonio? I was born in San Antonio. Okay. Yeah. So uh, because dad being a, an Air Force guy, um, my family moved around quite a bit. So my, my sister, who's six years my elder, was born in Las Vegas and got to live in Japan, got to live in Georgia and all the the interesting places to be stationed. I basically caught the tail end of my dad's Air Force career and grew up in San Antonio. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, San Antonio is a, you know, it's an hour south, about an hour yep. and a half south of Austin. And, and I feel like sometimes San Antonio gets a bad rap when people, especially like transplants to Austin, right? Who are like, why would I go to any other place in Texas? <laughs> I have family in San Antonio and there's like, there's the Pearl, there's like nice areas of San Antonio. And I think there's a lot of like culture there too. What was that like kind of culturally, you know, growing up Filipino and, and feeling more Filipino in a place like San Antonio? Well, so interestingly enough, so being biracial and like an ambiguous brown sort of biracial in San Antonio, it's pretty easy just to blend in as another Mexican person. So, you know, it was actually pretty jarring moving to Austin from San Antonio, the, the, the cultural makeup of the city being predominantly white. Not jarring in a bad way, but certainly noticeable. No offense to any white people. <laughs> I mean, no, let's talk like me and <laughs> definitely, you know, identify that on this show too, right? <laughs> but yeah, I had uh I had my mom's Filipino clique, my mom, my mom's friends, all her friends' kids, and so we were all hanging out. So it was a little insular community inside San Antonio, which I imagine is very common with many, you know, Asian people that I talk to. Yeah, I was about to say. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting uh -huh. you kind of sharing, uh, you know, although San Antonio is a very close neighbor to Austin and how different your experiences were and kind of the different community experiences you had. What kind of drew you to Austin? It sounds like you really grew up in a strong community in San Antonio. What ultimately drew you to Austin? Music and technology. It seemed like a nice convergence. It was an hour and a half away. So just close enough. and kind of worked out. And then now, uh, so I've got a nine-year-old and having my mother and sister who still live in San Antonio, having them an hour and a half away is just far enough and just close enough. It's a very nice, it's a good distance for that. Yeah, you've struck a good balance there, it sounds like. <laughs> being able to, yeah, you know, be a little bit away from family, but still have them close enough to be involved and be part of what you're doing and building. Here. Sure. Yeah, that's awesome. I do want to just talk a little bit more about these family gatherings and and like Filipino gatherings or Vietnamese gatherings for, for on my end. And I'm curious if, you know, I think about those gatherings on my end. My parents would like drag me to Vietnamese parties growing up with their friends. I'm like this young kid. I'm at the kids table at the kids room. There's also like a lot of karaoke happening. There's just and like drinks are flowing and 
I'm just curious what that experience was like for you, if that was similar. And was there like a lot of music involved? Because I'm trying to see what the, like where the inspiration started. Uh, absolutely. Uh, at the parties, always karaoke. Uh, I remember, so I've only been to the Philippines once. So it was for my, my grandfather's funeral when I was 12. And what struck me is that even like economically, you can feel that the countries, the communities are doing not well, but everybody has a karaoke machine. It was all, it just through and through. I thought that was really cool. So that was, that was a big takeaway. So at the parties, yeah, lots of music, lots of drinking, always food. Everyone leans with a Tupperware. Kids table. I remember once, and I hope this isn't oversharing. Sorry, mom. They sent all the kids upstairs. This is uh, my, my mom's friend's house. They sent all the kids upstairs. And I guess they had hired like a, a male stripper to entertain the moms downstairs. And so, uh, <laughs> whoa yeah sorry mom. yeah that i didn't that wasn't part of the vietnamese party so oh, I, was say, that, I didn't remember that, was... that happening at our parties what's going on here that was just awesome. one time did you ever did you tell your mom that you saw that that was happening oh yeah right after it's very funny <laughs> yeah that's amazing um <laughs> did you through that time did you develop your go-to karaoke song i imagine going to so many parties you your mom probably encouraged you to sing as well so i actually i actually hated singing when i was a kid so the music inspiration uh you guys have asked about my dad was actually a singer in the air force as part of his career and his mom was a singer and my sister is a music teacher and she's a performer as well so it's been in the family for a long time but i, I grew up sort of at odds with my father I really didn't examine any of that musical ability until like 19, 20. I was in band, I should caveat. I was in band and I played piano as children do. But the karaoke thing, uh, I remember my mom, there was, she would want me to sing. Do you remember that, um, that Diana Ross song from Land Before Time? It's the, if Land we hold time. on uh. to get that song, she would, uh, just find me and hand me the mic and say great perform now for my friends it's time so that's a core memory there <laughs> that I is hear. a core memory <laughs> yeah and and how does that song resonate now for you <laughs> Later uh, oddly it's it, there's no stinging point but uh actually recently i was at my mom had a 51st high school reunion in san antonio a bunch of her classmates flew in there and this you know from all over the states, I imagine, but they're originally went to high school in the Philippines, and they all collectively they got together in a big group and they sang karaoke to that song, and it felt like a full circle moment. <laughs> That's giving me some uh, tugging on the heartstrings a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's really cool. So you you mentioned being kind of at odds with maybe music or with your dad and then yeah. his association with music perhaps i don't like am i on the right track there that's that's accurate it wasn't like my dad's a musician so i can never you know there was no logic to it well you know i should i should take that so i picked in middle school when you choose electives i picked band because my sister picked band so i have to imagine that there is a through line there that from my father that got me here not to discount his influence <laughs> yeah, no, and I appreciate you you sharing a little bit with us about that. I, I guess the sure. core of my question too is, 
when did your musicality start kind of blossoming or when did you start leaning into it and why? I was actually sort of, I think I was just singing willy nilly, like come in and a friend sort of pulled me inside and said, Hey, you have a, you have a really nice voice. And I, it, I had never, it never occurred to me prior to that. So I mean, you know, that was, I think at that point I decided I should probably work a little harder at it or press a little bit. That's it. Just press. And then how did you form, you know, your, your artist's name, Honey Sun? And really, when did you feel like you fully leaned into it, into developing this, this, this persona and this person, this music? Oh boy. That's a ongoing process. So performance for me looks like a, a one man show, one man band thing where I'm looping and playing guitar and synthesizers and other sorts of things like that, which initially was in sort of a, a journalistic release kind of way. So all the songs that were right were very personal and still, I mean, are still feel are very personal, which is hard because, you know, when you're precious about something like that, it's, it's difficult to push it out. I had a bunch of pieces written and this is early, early on when I started doing music. And I had my friend Jackie actually just started booking shows for me. And she just said for me to show up places and figure it out that way. And so it's really just been a work in process from that point. And I've tried playing with people and uh, I would absolutely love to, but because it is, I, I have to figure out how to be less precious about the pieces that I write in order to do that, I think. Yeah, it sounds like you draw on a lot of personal stories and feelings that really inform the work that you're doing. So that that makes sense. How long ago did you, did Jackie start booking you at, at places and that you've been on this journey? I must have been 21. So that is 13 years ago. And that's been it ever, you know, ever since. Uh, oddly enough, I don't know if this is unfashionable in the live music capital of the world. I sometimes forget that I life picks up and I, I'm I find myself busy for three months and I, I just forget that I am musical at all. And then I'll do something and say, Hey, I, I think I'm pretty good at this thing. This feels good. Yeah. I do want to know how where what is the origin of Honey Sun though? So I know uh, you are work in progress and really have uh, developed your your sound and your music over time. And it, it is still evolving, but I'd love to know what's the origin of, of Honey Sun. I was actually, I was singing in a, in a Presbyterian choir some time ago. And I read a passage in the, one of the, the stray Bibles. I'm not terribly religious, by the way. I just wanted to sing in a choir. Something about it feels really good. And I saw a passage somewhere in one of the books. And that's, that's where it came from. Do you know what that, pa- what does that mean? I, I couldn't tell you where it came from. It just felt good and I needed yeah. a stage name at the time. So I love it. And what was that experience like singing in the choir, in the in the church choir? Really nice. I'm actually, I would love to sing in a church choir again. I've been on the hunt for, for me and my daughter as well, more for her sake about it. You know, she's nine and familiarizes herself with integrating into a, a sea of voices like that. It's probably pretty good for you. Good for your soul. Good for your brain. What's your daughter's name? Olivia. Olivia. Olivia, does she, um, A, well, I guess A, does she have any musical talents? Does she like to sing? And B, has she listened to you or seen you perform? 
yes to both of those. Probably if she were here, she would tell you uh, too much too, too often. <laughs> I'm trying not to stage parent. So, you know, I, I let her decide when she wants to perform, but she has to learn things. I mean, it's, a, it's around the house. And if I'm going to have an impact, that's, you know, the goal, I think, for her in music, from me at least, is for it to be matter of fact. I'd like her to, to come of age and just, it's normalized for her. Follow-up question. Has she seen The Land of Time and has she sang the song? <laughs> uh, no, although my mom uh, did try to get her to sing the song and she just said, Lola, I don't, I don't know that song. I'm not going to sing this. <laughs> This iconic song. I'm gonna have to like give it a full listen. <laughs> I'm like really familiar with the movie The Land Before Time and Littlefoot, Sarah, all that whole gang of uh-huh. characters. I can't remember that where that song plays though uh, in the movie. So I'll have to <laughs> check that out again. So Mars, it's no secret what the Austin community kind of looks like, specifically in the music community. And so men and I are really keen on bringing voices that are unique and maybe aren't as spotlighted in the Austin music community. And so I'd love to get insight as to what your experience has been as a Filipino and Black artist here in in Austin. What have been some of your obstacles, if any? Yeah, I mean, Austin's, uh, as I mentioned before, moving here was jarring because it's so white and the music community is no different. I don't think I have any obstacles. And I, I think it's, uh, so Min, you asked about my biracial identity a little bit. And if I had to pick something, I think that's kind of where I'm at now is just feeling very multiracial, more than Asian, more than Black, more than Filipino, more than a singular thing. I think especially having a daughter that is more mixed up than I am. Her mom's black and Mexican and I'm already a butt. So I feel like a a hyper American breed. As far as the music goes, it's definitely getting better recently. I think probably since the pandemic, we've had a surge of people moving in that includes artists and creatives, which has been great. I've seen and heard some really cool shows recently. So it's not any longer just like an acoustic guitar or a four-piece rock band. Nothing against those types of genres, but it it seemed like there wasn't a lot of space for anything else. Especially, maybe there's a little chip on my shoulder. If you play introspective alternative R&B, I felt like it's, it's difficult to book a bill with similar artists. I used to get stuck with singer-songwriters. That didn't quite work. Obviously, it doesn't really work with bands. Uh, and so lately I've found that like the, uh, the electronic and beathead community has been the closest. And actually I played, uh, I guess familiar with the exploded drawing event. It's an electronic music showcase. Uh, it used to happen monthly and then the pandemic hit. It's a group of beat makers and gearheads and it was great. It's really a lovely time. I was thinking about what you're saying in terms of finding space and community for like where you lean more in the type of music that you make the feelings that it elicits and all that type of stuff and it's interesting that you bring up like electronic music and beat heads because like lately I've definitely been leaning a little bit more into that genre I mean I'm mm-hmm. my genres are all over the place in terms of like the music that I like and enjoy but I have been going to a lot more electronic shows and I think it 
there's an odd sense of community within EDM that's like no judgment, no like free expression, just have fun, do you, whatever, you know? Um, yeah. And I imagine, yeah, that that makes sense for there to be a little similarity of this like introspection and just also unabashed expression, it sounds like. <laughs> It's also not bad, you know, not, there's no, I don't think it's causal, but maybe there's a correlation. It's not bound to ethnic background or race, it seems like. Whereas, even though I can appreciate something like country music, and I, I like it, you know, can listen to it, I'll appreciate the artistry and, the, and the, the substance inside of it. But I have no, my parents didn't listen to it, you know, I it's it's just me picking it up now as an adult. Whereas I... It seems like a lot of people have in sort of the inherent folksy, rocky genre of music that is in Austin, they grew up with that. And so they they're gravitating around something that they have really strong identity towards without having to think too much about it. It just feels like an identity for them. And so not having that in a town that is or used to be and is less so now filled with that has been not challenging, just interesting. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, you know, I told Sandra this story, you know, a couple weekends ago, just showing some friends who were here from the Bay Area, like a tour of Austin. We started in East Austin and went to, I took them to like rainy to like dirty and then went back to East <laughs> Austin. They really got the whole gamut of just like the different areas that you could maybe experience of Austin and different levels of of change and, and gentrification too, to be honest. And yeah. I think what the takeaway experience from that was just like always feeling like, where's my, where's my spot in, in the city. Right. Especially when we, you know, we were a group of all people of color and going into spaces that are predominantly white, which is common in Austin sometimes, depending on where you go, most places that you go (laughs) and just like kind of feeling that. So I imagine that's like, a similar thing in terms of just like the diversity of music genres and musical and like expression that that you're delivering and figuring out where like you said like what billing what types of artists are also associated with you that are playing similar types of music and all that type of stuff so so I'm just I'm just piecing it all together in real time out loud so <laughs> funnily enough too and maybe this goes in some of the background I so I certainly, you know, I grew up, uh, I don't know how old you guys are, I'm 34, it's weird, 34, and uh, I listened to a lot of like post-rock indie, that was in the ether when I was coming up through high school, and I loved a lot of it. And I remember trying, like when learning guitar and singing on some of those songs, my voice is not suited to a lot of that stuff. And so it just, it's not exactly white people music, but a lot of it comes from the Midwest and lo and behold, there's a lot of white people there. And and so I think I, my, my parents listened to, my mom's like a big Tony Bennett fan. And my dad grew up listening to a lot of ballads, Luther Vandross. And, and so when I rediscovered these genres of music as an adult, much more suited to how I can actually sing. And that, that really, that did a number on me. And so now, even if I like a song by, you know, The Promise Ring or something like that, some indie rock band, I make sure to understand that it, it's got to run through the Mars filter. That's the only way I can do it. I feel like that's a fun filter. That Those are like two very different <laughs> genres. <laughs> like, and that's like a nice little fusion there. Like, I, 
I definitely get down with jazz, soul, R&B, but also have, I've been to like Jimmy Eat Wednesday, you know, and like do a pop punk, screamo, emo type of thing. I'm curious, like, it sounds like you do draw from both types of genres, understanding kind of how your instrument works and what it's better suited towards, but maybe you still have, do you still draw on like the genres that you do like, but maybe just, you know, aren't your instruments not kind of fit for that that genre yeah absolutely there's i've aged out of the pop punk thing i think maybe i'm not sure but there's this saves the day song that is always in my head and i think that that would be great as anything else it's just a good song it's got a great melody interesting progression i feel like you can't ever really fully age out of Um, so we're, we're similar ages, you, uh, men and I were, and I feel like, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but recently that whole era of music of pop, rock, punk, whatever it's called is just like resurging mm. and it's so like fun to relive. Like I saw, I didn't go, but Panic at the Disco just recently was in Austin and it just brought me back to like 14, 15 year old me going to my first shows and <laughs> Um, I do find it interesting because that era of music really feels like a set of time in my life. And that was my teenage years because that was really big back then. Yeah. And so I'm curious now at this stage in your life, what what albums are you playing? What are you really kind of listening to these days? Oof, that's a, it's not a that's not a big question, but it's I've tried to go back and, and catch up on artists that I didn't really give much credence to or like you know because they've been in the ether i didn't think about it very much i just found a a joan arma trading album at an estate sale that i've been listening to other than that you know i always go back to like radiohead erica badu classics maybe it's a a common answer but that the most recent kendrick album was i thought excellent and i went to go see his concert that was excellent too um introspection that yeah (laughs) yeah huge yeah yeah i think it threw a lot of people off but i really appreciated the uh him going there i remember on to pimp a butterfly and he had that spoken word piece on this very popular rap album and i thought wow if he's a popular artist and he can do this that's that's really something you know, I wonder how many uh, spoken word artists he generated by even doing that, you know, just by sheer influence. How's your mom with your progression in, into the music sphere and, and the shows and all that type of stuff? You know, thinking back to putting that microphone in your face and now, like, you're doing it. Oddly enough, my parents aren't really that involved. Or, she's She's been to shows, but there's... You know, I don't want to call it indifference, but there might be a little bit of indifference there, right? I'm not at the point where she can uh, brag to her friends about my wild success, but maybe you know, maybe that's not my own uh, insecurities about what I do. There's a layer of like Asian mother. I don't mean uh-huh. to broad stroke <laughs> there, but like I, I I'm picking up what you're laying down there. Hey, thank you, thank you. I don't yeah, want to say it. Yeah. <laughs> it well, also uh, since having a. a a daughter i'm no longer important so she's thrilled about my parenting but well that far for the course. also like redirects some of that energy that asian mother energy yes <laughs> it's like now i'm curious like how that shows up for you kind of witnessing the like 
like what Olivia is kind of kind of receiving, right? And like how, uh, yeah, just you know, we're we're learning each generation. <laughs> yes, yeah. I have to drill in. So I, you know, I, I think generationally, people around our age that are parents, right? Remember that that was at different strokes with Michael J. Fox, where his parents were hippies and he became like a little Republican. So every generation just flips. And so the, our whole generation of parents, are, we're, we've flipped. And so there's a, there's a real looseness with how we approach our kids. So in the interaction with my mom then, my mom, she's not strict with her, but she like doesn't understand Olivia sometimes. And I'll have to lean over and just be like, hey, look, just be respectful and we'll talk at home. It's totally fine. You don't have to listen to Lola all the time. Just be respectful and we're good. Do you feel like you have influenced Olivia's taste in music at all? Does she have like an eclectic taste in music or is she listening to, oh gosh, I don't even know who's popular these days amongst the kids. <laughs> <laughs> what, is, what is she playing? Oh Lord. She listens to a lot of anime music, which good, good and bad. I mean, there's, you know, some bangers in there for sure. To answer your question though, certainly. I mean, she is forced to listen to what I have on at the house, which sometimes she loves. Uh, actually, I, I played a song once, just the single song that I heard. And then she was in her room like a week later and she had streamed the artist's albums and she knew a bunch of songs and she just took off and ran with it. It's a very proud moment for me. I don't have kids yet, but I feel like that is exactly gonna be the moments I have with my kids is the second <laughs> that they're listening to artists that I'm that I love and they're playing this on their own. It's gonna be that like, oh, I'm a good mom. <laughs> yeah. 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 The next phase, and this happened a couple times recently where she sets the music in, in the car because I'm driving. And so she'll put on a song and she'll say, Hey dad, I heard this song and I think you like it. You'll like it. And when she gets it right with something I've never heard and would it would, it would never enter my sphere, I think, wow, you know, you're a little teary. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That one, <laughs> if your kid can send you song recommendations and like, it actually like touches mm -hmm. you and it's a song that you enjoy. Wow. What a special moment to have with your daughter. I do want to get into, so I see that you have, you know, your upcoming shows coming up and getting involved in the community. It sounds like you also get involved with a lot of different community organizations when you're doing some work. And I think Sandra and I saw that you had a show with Dawa coming mm -hmm. up soon. Probably when we premiere this episode, you will have done it already. But just talk to me a little bit more about like what draws you to the types of opportunities that you take or wh what it means to kind of be part of the community in this fashion, especially with the work that they do. Yeah. So I, I should, I know there's no sainthood going on or anything. Like I didn't seek anything out. I just, I've, I've got mad respect for uh, Chaka and Kidada, the writers against the storm. And, and they're, they're grinding. Uh, whenever I see them, I think like they're such a cool couple. Now they got a kid now, like what a way to show up in the world. And so honestly, any chance Chaka reached out about, you know, recording a set for the, the fundraiser for Dawa, which a uh, great local organization. I had a, at, at work, my day job, my boss asked me about organizations to don't like wanted to donate some money and, and, and put in for the local community. Yeah, I could only I could really only think of Dawa to offer up. Which may be good and bad. I should probably branch out a little bit and do some more research, but they're doing good work. Yeah, they do amazing work and excited to, to hear you involved in that. 
I kind of have a big question and I'll give you some time to think about it. But when we look back at Honey Sun slash Mars Wright and we look at the legacy of your music, what what do you hope your legacy is? Um, that is a big question. So in terms of creation for things that are intimate creations, like songs that I write that I perform for myself as myself, honestly, the big thing is that they are as authentic as possible to, to me. There's a hang up about phoning it in for me, probably to my detriment about what it takes, what feels earned to be able to say and sing and play. Because I think, you know, and no disrespect to any other musician, but there definitely is another method of doing music where you can say, I, the, the Strokes were the great band. Let's write some songs that sound like the Strokes because they have a bunch of banger songs. And that's great. And that's one way to do it. And then, so I think I'm, what's important to me, and hopefully looking back at a catalog or work, a body of work, I would hope that it was just as me as possible the whole time knowing that changes over time. That makes a lot of sense. I, I think with this podcast, just specifically talking about our Asian American identities, me and Sandra have acknowledged that that evolves over time completely. And even what we're talking about today can change later. And we know that, but I think that's like part of the human growth like process and just like evolution, right? Like, I think that's our relationship to how we show up in the world and how we show up for ourselves is always changing. But in that moment in time, if we're truly honest and authentic with ourselves, like that's, that feels like the best that we could ask for. So absolutely sharing that. Thinking along those lines too, like thinking about your Asian American identity and kind of your relationship to it. We ask a lot of our guests, you know, what does being Asian American mean to you today? For me in particular, I think, and I'm, you know, I'm enjoying, you know, being here and meeting people. And I feel like um, a little bit of an imposter when I'm asked to speak about being Asian American, I think, because it, I hold the identity so lightly more often now, even though it's definitely part of me and so it's it's not it's not false i just there's something about it like i'm less asian american than other people so i don't it's not earned which i you know i I know there there is a that's a dangerous framing to hold so i you know i don't know what it means i'm glad to be a part of i'm glad like you talked about the evolution of it i'm glad that things are evolving and it things are being put to a scope because the race thing is, is it's real but it's also silly i remember when i was growing up I think they only started putting uh, the two or more races checkbox on Scantrons for tests uh, when I was 12. And so all of those tests before I was 12, I would just bubble everything in. And it still feels because we're working through it collectively for what the whole definition of race, what that means to society. Then, you know, we're drilling down in each of the races of, well, what is it? What is Asian American actually, you know? What is black actually? And um, doing it in contrast, uh, and again, no offense to white folks out here in Austin, but doing that in a place that is so white in contrast to that is also super interesting. It forces you daily to go like, yeah, I don't, I don't actually know what Asian is. What is it? What does it mean? It's you're forced to, to ask. 
Yeah, yeah. Thank you for giving us such a real and raw response to that. It's something that we like to ask our guests because it does kind of open that dialogue there. It, it is a journey. There's no right way or wrong way to respond to that or answer to that at all. And we love as a community to just have conversations around that. So I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And I, and we keep kind of going back to Dr. Tang. It, his episode talks about He's great. If you haven't checked out that episode, he I, I will listen to it. <laughs> he does a lot of good work there. But just that, like, that's part of the journey sometimes of being Asian American is like not knowing the answer to it because right. just the history of it all. And, and also, like, he and Sandra say this all each episode, probably. There's no, like she said, no right way to be Asian American. Like, you are. And the experience that you're having is part of the experience of what it means to be Asian American too. You know what I mean? Like that is, that's your experience and no one can take that away from you. And so, yeah. And you are also part of the Asian American community. So there it is. We're, yeah. I mean, we're, we're now in a time, you know, especially with proliferation of media and media specifically, not just social media, but media generated by individuals. We are disassembling monoliths across the board. You know, whereas Hollywood in the 80s made Asian Americans one very specific thing. And lo and behold, not that. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And I think that's our hope with this podcast, too, is just to really illustrate that. That that's, you think that we're all one way, and clearly we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Mars, you've been an incredible guest. We really enjoyed this conversation. So now we get into the fun part. It is rapid fire. We ask you really quick questions. You let us know what comes to mind. Okay. No pressure here. There's no right or wrong answer. So the first question is, and this one's going to be hard. Who is your favorite musician? I hate that I'm so basic, but I think Tom York. What is your favorite Asian restaurant? Uh, Xi'an Noodle. That's my favorite restaurant in general. I love that place. And then what is your favorite Austin hobby? Where, where can we find you? Lately, I have been paddleboarding and reading on Town Lake. Cool. Well, thanks so much. Yeah. How can people find your music and follow you? Please uh, do a plug. Sure. Everything is under Honey Sun, S-O-N, two words. There's a, some stuff on Spotify, hopefully more coming out soon. And other than that, Instagram, you know, when I can remember that I'm a musician, I'll post stuff up. Sweet. All right. Thanks, Mars. Really appreciate you joining us. Have a good one. Thanks, guys. That was so much fun. I really loved kind of talking. I mean, I love talking about music and I'm really kind of inspired by Mars and his journey as not just an artist, but as a human, as an Asian American, as a parent, when we can get that raw and open is always kind of that moment where I kind of look to you and I'm like, this is really cool. Yeah, no, I I thought that too with just opening up that dialogue with people who you know are on their own journey as well too and just being privileged to be part of that and and have them share that with us was really special and and I think Mars is such an awesome guy I I really like resonated with the Asian parties that you know our parents would kind of drag us to and that was really fun to kind of hear what his experience was like with the stripper too (laughs) and that whole thing 
Did you ever ask your mom why she didn't have strippers at y'all's party? <laughs> no, I mean, they definitely like got a little wild. I feel like Tennessee was definitely part of was on the bar there. Um, but also like combined with karaoke and my dad is like such a huge karaoke person. And so it was funny to like hear, I mean, not funny, but just like how much music. And he mentioned that when he went to the Philippines that everyone had a karaoke machine and I think that's like I don't know I I think there's something there of how music can be so impactful even in spite of circumstances and what kind of the environment is around you like people are clearly something about parts of the Asian community that gathers together to sing with each other and have fun that way is like some sort of it's yeah. like a bonding activity I, I I really do think it is I mean all yes it's fun to drink and go out and have karaoke parties but I think there's just so something that feels communal about uh, it that mm-hmm. I, I love you know just with family friends but what I also love is his kind of thread of how music has built relationships I think with his parents but also his daughter and I love that because you know for me personally I don't have that experience with my mom it's not like I'm listening to a certain song or an album and I have fond memories of listening that with her and I kind of that part of me was really um I thought that was really special that he shared that and uh, I think a bit envious that he's able to share music because music is such a big part of my life and your life and being able to share that with other generations, I think is, is really special. Do you, do you have moments, I guess, that you like listen to music with your dad in the car? I, I do. And I think I take that for granted, to be honest. I am def have definitely been influenced by the role that music plays with my dad, both like Vietnamese music and also like English music. One of his favorites is Engelbert Humperdinck. (laughs) <laughs> I have no idea what that is. Awful. But that's what I mean. Like, I know all these, like, older songs that Seasons in the Sun, I think, like, Terry Jackson and, like, Run, Joey, Run. So, yeah, you know, there the, it definitely was something and is something that I, I think I do take for granted. And there is, like, a... that Like, hearing Mars's story about his daughter sharing a song with him that she thought he might enjoy is was really special. I know that that, that was like a really nice moment for you too, to, to hear that. Yeah, I know. It like made me tear up to think about a moment that I could have with kids if I choose to in the future. So if you had to pick a song that you like want your kids to like treasure and love as much as you, what is your song choice? No, don't put me on the spot like that. I feel like, <laughs> what Christina Aguilera song am I going to pick? Um, <laughs> I know, that's what I was waiting for. I, that's so. That's a, such a hard question, Sandra. I don't know. Do you have one that you've um, No, I, I have a couple songs that I just love and that just makes me feel good when I put it on. And it's going to sound, again, kind of cheesy, but there's the Beatles song, Let It Be. I think, I don't know why that music always, or that song gets me emotional. And then a fun, like lighter one, and you're going to be like, wow, that feels out of left field. It's just Sunday Morning by Maroon 5. 
And I think because Maroon 5 was like one of the first concerts I went to as a teenager. Like, so I think it's just a bit nostalgic, but I think the song was just like a nice little, so not, not super deep, but I, I hope I can put that on and my kid isn't like, ill. what is that? Yeah, no, those are those are good songs. I, the Beatles one that makes me think of Blackbird, and that like I actually heard that recently at a concert earlier this year, and it was like I was going through it a little bit, and when I heard it, just like the emotion that it like brought out in me, and I associate it with my childhood because it was like a song that I really liked and a movie growing up, and so yeah, I think that one probably would stand the test of time a little bit and future loved ones that I like my nieces I would want them to hear that there's probably a Christina song I can't choose on the spot right now so I'm gonna omit that part of it but you know what I'm just gonna say keep singing keep on singing my song it's like a deeper cut on her <laughs> albums but it's a it's a very like inspirational kind of like what Mars was talking about which I really appreciated is talking about his legacy of just being as true and authentic as he can in the in the moment in time that he's putting out the music that he is and that's kind of what that song is about um, for Christina too so and I would want everyone to feel that way too to just keep on doing you yeah I thought that was such a beautiful way to to share the human experience for him and for us it's I think at the end of the day, we all hope to be as most authentic as we can to be ourselves. So we will see who we are years from now. Yeah. And we'll like be able to look back at this and that this like moment in time in which this is how Minvu and Santa Sam <laughs> showed up. <laughs> but yeah. I think that's great. Yeah. With that, I think uh just want to thank our listeners again for joining us for another episode. Really enjoyed that and hope y'all did too. We'll see you next time. Bye, y'all. Bye.